Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. God is good all the time. My Lord, I mean, it, it, God is so good. I mean, I woke up this morning just always thinking on the goodness of God. When I look around my home or sitting there drinking my coffee as I'm just getting ready to go over some few things for Sunday morning, and it's a real good time with for me and him to spend time, amen, and, and it's just I just feel good to know what he's done for my life and where he's taken me from and where I'm at today. And and uh, to be blessed, amen, with a great woman of God, hallelujah, my wife, amen, hallelujah. You are, you are, hey, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. You got to guys, good spouses, amen, good good husbands and wives, amen. I, I'm blessed. I, I'm blessed, amen, and uh, for what the Lord, the gift that he gave me, amen. And so I uh, appreciate your gift. Look at, so, look at your spouse. I appreciate you. <laughs> Come on. Now, now, really mean it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You had a little fight this morning. Come on, turn around. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. You see, there, there's a lot of people today that when they do something wrong, say something wrong, they'll tell that other person what? I'm sorry. You know, something that we say to each other, amen. It's, it's kind of a common language, Amen. Come on, it was something that was taught to us when we were little and growing up, that when we did something wrong to our friends or our cousins or people that were visiting us at our house or, or, or said something wrong, dad and mom would say, you know what, you need to go over there and tell them that you're sorry. And so we would say, I'm sorry. And, and you, you know, did they really mean it? <laughs> I mean, our kids sometimes would just say it because you told them to say it, amen. But in most cases... It's not, it's, not, it's not real. Come on, can we be for real, for real today? You know, we, we, we kind of go through the motions. We kind of say the right words, the things that we need to say at certain times, but they really are not from the heart. Can somebody say amen? As we get older, it follows us. Even as Christians, we can say the same thing when we get busted in doing something wrong or say something wrong, and we say, I'm sorry. We say it to each other. And we say it to God. And today, I want to minister a message I entitled, not I'm sorry, but Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. Something that you don't hear in the church today, or not even preached about today, about repentance. And it's something that you got to understand that we need in the church today if we want victory. The definition of repentance is this, amen, is to turn from sin, to feel regret, or to change one's mind. Something that Pastor Ralph mentioned last Sunday. I'm sorry you can't hear that message again, amen, because of something that happened. But if you get his book, amen, it, 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 he preached out of that book, amen, you get that on Amazon, amen. And, uh, but but he, he challenged about the mind thinking, amen, and something that we have to understand. Listen, repentance is the first step to redemption. Did you hear that? 
Repentance is the first step to redemption. A a, a quote from C.H. Spurgeon says this, Another proof of the conquest of a soul for Christ will be found in a real change life. If a man does not live differently, listen, from what he did before, both at home and abroad, his repentance needs repenting of, and his conversion is fiction. Repentance is still needed in our walk today if we want to stand in victory. And I want to look at the lives of two men in the Bible and learn how we can get victory in 2020 through repentance. Can somebody say amen? I want to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13, and go down to verse 22 on your, in your app. And the Word of God says this, But God removed Saul... And replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I've found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. Somebody say everything. I want him to do. Now, Acts chapter 13, 21 to 22 in the Message Bible says this. After Saul had ruled for 40 years, God removed him from office and put King David in his his place. With this accommodation, I have searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart, a man that will do what I tell him. Here we see two men here. Both men were anointed. Both men were appointed. Both men were called by God. But one man, Saul, was removed and was replaced by another man named David. One man lost the kingdom, Saul, and one man, David, inherited an eternal kingdom. Listen, God will remove if you don't do what he says. God will remove things in your life if you don't do what he says, church. See, the difference was a heart of obedience. If you simply obey, his blessings will fall upon your life. I said, if you obey, blessings fall upon your life. But if you disobey, well, you in trouble. <laughs> right? Didn't we, didn't, didn't we get into trouble when we disobeyed mom and dad growing up? Right? Some of us are still paying from those consequences. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the choice is really yours. It's free will. Blessings or cursing, you're either going to obey or you're going to disobey. But in order to stay blessed, in order to have victory, you must, say I must, have a heart of obedience. You've got to have a heart of obedience. We must have a heart that beats the same way God's does. You see, revival is a fresh turning or people repenting and turning from what they used to do and turning their lives to God in obedience. It's the key to everything that we do. It's the key to the victories in our lives. It's the key that unlocks the promises of God. It comes through obedience. There must be repentance, church, if we want revival. There must be repentance, church, if we want victory. How many want victory in this place? 
Come on, remember the, the little skit, amen, or the, uh, the movie clip, amen, from, uh, uh, from the, remember the Titans, amen? Do you want a victory? I want a victory. I want a victory. I want a victory. And this is something that we need to remind ourselves, and we've got to wake up every morning. I want victory today. You know what? I want, I, want, I want to stand in victory. I don't want to be defeated. Maybe if you had a bad day before, you say, you know what? I'm going to let that bad day of yesterday follow me into today. I want a victory. I want a victory, amen. And so a lot of the keys to victory, a lot of the things that we want in our lives, a lot of the promises of God that will come and be released from heaven into our lives will come through obedience. And repentance. See, the one thing I noticed between Saul and David, how one man lost. He didn't just lose his job. He didn't just lose his home. He lost a kingdom. And how one man inherited an eternal kingdom. That if we are people of victory, we must have a heart of repentance. See, when you look at the life of David, you, you don't see a perfect man. And God is not expecting us to be perfect either. Come on, tell your neighbor, thank God. Hallelujah. Come on, he's, he's, not, he's not looking. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we don't need to be perfect to get in. Come on, and you look at David, he was not a perfect man, amen. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. But when you look at the life of David, we see a man who has made some bad mistakes. Amen. He made some bad choices. How many can relate to David today? Just a couple people? Uh, the rest of your people are perfect then? Hallelujah. Come on. How many can relate to David? Hallelujah. Come on. We, how many have made some mistakes in this place? Come on, I made some bad choices in this place. Huh? Come on, that, you know what? We, we've made some bad choices. David is no different from us, amen. Uh, but here again, we see the difference uh, between Saul and David, the difference between a man who repents and a man who doesn't. You see, Samuel goes to Saul. If you go to 1 Samuel 13, 14, and Samuel goes to Saul, the prophet goes to Saul, and he says, but now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. You have not obeyed God. You have not, you have not done what you're supposed to be doing. So we see that Samuel confronts Saul you have not obeyed. You have not listened. You, not, you have not done what you're supposed to do. What, what Saul's doing here, Saul is being rebuked. Come on, somebody. The prophet is rebuking him. So when Samuel does this, guess what Saul does? He blames Samuel. He blames the pastor. He stands in his defense and blames Samuel. He didn't even say, I'm sorry. He, he, he just goes right away and blames the prophet and blames Samuel for his disobedience. Come on. We are so full of pride when we are confronted, church. Come on. We are so quick, listen, to blame others for our mistakes. We move from I'm a sorry generation to a blaming generation. Come on, we are blaming others for our sins. 
Well, well, it's the wife. You, you don't know her. Come on. Man, husband's been using that line all the way from the garden. Hallelujah. It's the woman you gave me. <laughs> oh, we say it's because of them. It's because of him. It's because of her. Amen. We all, listen, church. It happens in the church right now. We play a blame game. We blame our spouses. We blame our kids. We blame people. We blame co-workers. We blame bosses. We blame the church. You blame the pastor for your disobedience. 1 Samuel 13, 11 says this, but Samuel said, what, what's this that you've done? And, re and Saul replies, I saw my, man, my men scattering from me, and you did not arrive when you said you would. Here's Saul, and he puts the blame of his own sin his own disobedience upon the prophet Samuel. And he tells him, you weren't here for me. You know what? You weren't around for me. Pastor, yeah, I fell because you weren't there for me. You, you didn't answer your phone. You didn't answer your text. I Facebooked you. And nothing. I fell all alone, so I fell. And it's your fault. Come on, this is something that people have done always. They, you know what? They pass the buck on someone else for their own sin. And in most cases, they blame others simply because they got busted. Come on, if you've been a leader, if you've been a Sunday school teacher, if you've just been coming to church, people will leave the church, listen, and blame you. People will fall into sin and blame you. And here's Samuel, amen, he's, he's bringing the word of the Lord to the king. And his response is, you didn't get here when you were supposed to. And because of that, I sinned. Because of that, I disobeyed. Because you weren't there for me. But when you look at the life of David, see, David sinned. Like I said, he wasn't a perfect man. He made some mistakes. He made some bad choices in his life. Nathan, the prophet, comes to David. Nathan brings the word of the Lord to David, and Nathan comes and, and he rebukes David as well. And what's happening is here that David is trying to cover up his own sin, right? Because he fell with Bathsheba, bad Sheba, bad, bad. Got her pregnant. And so David does a number of things to try to get rid of her husband Uriah or, 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 or get her to, to sleep with his wife. You know, sleep with his wife because she's pregnant, amen, and so he's trying to do a number of things to get her to sleep with her. And when all that failed, amen, he sets her up and puts her husband in the front line of the battle to have him killed. And the prophet comes to David and confronts him about it and confronts him with this story. In 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 7, the story reads like this. So the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned many great sheep and cattle, and the poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. 
One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing from an animal from his own flock or, or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for the guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man that would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one that he stole and have no pity. And Nathan said to David, you're that man. You're that man, David. But here, David, instead of passing the bug, instead of David blaming the prophet, instead of him pointing the fingers to others, instead of him blaming the woman, he tells Nathan in 2 Samuel 12, 13, I have sinned against the Lord. See, the difference here is that David says, I have sinned. David says, Lord, I repent. David's heart was broken, amen, because he broke the heart of God. Because he did that, listen, church, God forgave him. Say, God forgave him. Look what it says in verse 13. Nathan says, Lord, Nathan tells us, uh, David here, the Lord has taken away your sin, and you're not going to die. And through that experience, through that power of forgiveness, David wrote this in Psalms 51, verse 10 to 12, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy. Somebody say the joy. The joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Here, David, amen. You got to understand that his sin and through the power of forgiveness caused him to sing repentance unto the Lord, amen. Now, does your sin cause you to sing unto God or does it cause you to blame others? See, here's the difference. Saul blamed others. David said, Lord, I repent. David didn't point the finger at Nathan and say, you know what? If you would have warned me, this would happen, amen. I, I would not have done it. If you would have just warned me that if I looked over my balcony and looked at a woman, that this would happen. If you would have just built the walls higher, come on, we can get silly for some things. Come on. If you would have just built the roof higher where I couldn't see her, if you would have just made it enclosed, and we can come with all kinds of excuses. Are you, are you getting the picture, church? See, he didn't blame Bathsheba. He didn't blame others. He simply says, I have sinned before God. He repented of his sins. And because of that, God forgave him. I mean, that's the gospel, church. That we are all sinners, and we fall short of the glory of God. Come on. But when we repent, listen, when we repent, when we turn from our ways, when we turn from what we used to be doing, uh, the way that we used to be walking, if we turn, amen, uh, and we feel the guilt and we feel the remorse uh, of our actions and we turn away and we start living a different life, amen, uh, and when we come to him in confession, God forgives you. Come on, somebody. He forgives you, and it does not matter when you come to the altar of God. And like my wife was saying, the altar is so powerful. 
That we come to the altar of mercy. Uh, we come to the altar of grace. Amen. Uh, and when we come to him uh, in repentance and confession. Uh, and we get on our knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I repent of my ways. God says, you're forgiven. Right there, right there. No questions. You're forgiven. Come on. Come on. Is anybody happy on that? Hallelujah. Woo! That's a shout right there. Woo! I'm not going to hell no more. I'm going to heaven. Come on, you, 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 got, you, got a, you got a ticket transfer, amen. Give me that hell card. Here's your heaven card. I mean, this happens right here when you come to the Lord. God forgives you just like that. It's not no program that we got to go through. It's not a, a you know, 12-step thing that we got to go through in, in order to get accepted. I mean, and all those things are great, church, but you are accepted right on the spot. He tells you, pick your head up. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. Right there, right at that moment. He puts royalty on you. And he takes away shame. And he takes away all the how you feel. And he and he puts inside of you. He pours his Holy Spirit inside. You get you get baptized into the Holy Spirit. You, you get adopted into the kingdom of God. You become heirs of the of the of the kingdom of God. Amen. He gives you an eternal kingdom. Listen, church, we all sin. Come on. And some of us we still sin. Come on. We still fall short. Come on. You ever thought something bad? Boom. I'm not supposed to be thinking those kind of things. Give me a moment. Stop it. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Stop looking over there. You poke your eyes. You do whatever you can do. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. It's the flesh that we deal with, church. This flesh does not go away. Wouldn't it be great if the flesh has died and the spirit man just rose up? But it does, it's not going to happen. I mean, we live in this world, church. We're going to get, we're going to get, the devil's going to come at you. Temptation is always going to come knocking at your door, church. Come on, we live in Las Vegas, the capital of sin. Hallelujah. Come on, this is where he has his timeshare at. Amen. It comes at us. But with God's power, we always have victory. That when we make maturity, you can always go back to the altar of God. We can always go to the throne of God. When we need mercy, he says, come to my altar and you'll receive mercy. We all fall short of God's glory. But God is a God of forgiveness. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. He paid the price. And we receive this, this mercy, this grace that, that really, in honest, we don't deserve. But he gives it to us. His mercy is he loves us. Amen. He's a God of grace. And when we come to him in repentance, he forgives. See, the definition of repentance in the Webster Dictionary says this. To wish one had not done something to feel remorse or regret for to regret and change from evil ways. Jesus, come on, somebody say Jesus. Jesus made a way for us. He stood in the gap for you and I, and he paid the ultimate price on Calvary for our sins. That if we simply come to God in repentance, when we come to the Father and say, Father, I have sinned, Lord, 
I repent, and you really mean that from your heart, he'll forgive you. Come on, it's in the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, 18, he says, here's the son. He, he feels remorse. He feels by what, look at my life. Look, what he, he's, he's, he's in a pig pen. He's eating the pig food. Uh, he's eating, I mean, he's looking at his life, and, and, and the Bible says he came to his senses. Something woke up. Something turned on. The, you know, the, the, the focal turned on him, and the light came on. It's like, whoa, what am I doing? Look what, the, look what the world and what the sin done to my life. He realized how good it was back at home with daddy. And he comes to a place, and here he is. He says, I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This is repentance. Here's the son, the prodigal, repenting of his sins. He says, I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to tell him I have sinned. And then Luke 15, 22 to 25, but the father said to the servants, quick, bring out the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get the ring for his fingers, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that has been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, but now has returned to life. Was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Hallelujah. Come on. That's forgiveness. The father didn't, wasn't standing there with his arms crossed and saying, no, I thought you'd come back. I, I see you begging. Uh, well, you lost all your money. What's wrong with you? He didn't tell him, you know what, you know what, you know what, uh, give me a week. Why don't you give me a week? I, I, I got to think about this. You know what, You're, you look a mess. You know what, why don't you go take a shower and why don't you come talk to me at dinner time? Did the father do any of that? He comes and he wants to repent. He knows his heart. He doesn't even say his speech, and the father knows that he's coming home. And right away, come on, get the robe on my son. Take these, take these beggar clothes off. Get, get him, come on, bring the robe. Get a ring. Come on, give him a ring. Put that ring back in. He belongs to the kingdom. Come on, royalty. He's, he's, he's part of the family. Give him a ring. Put the sandals on his feet. Amen. Come on. Let's kill the calf and make some carne asada. Fire up the barbecue, guys. My son was dead, but now he's alive. Amen. He was lost, but now he's found. Come on. Let us, let's celebrate. That is the power of forgiveness. He forgave him right on the spot. That's what he did for us. <clears throat> remember when you came to the altar? Remember when you went to the first time when you repented and got saved? I remember that altar 24 years ago. I remember how I was, man. It, oh, I told you the story before. But I remember that day. I, it never goes away because God showed me his love. He cleansed me. He forgave me. Right on the spot, he forgave me. He says, I'm going to put your life together, son. Get up. You're my son. And I stood up, man, and, and I I'm going to do this. And he put such a confidence, a holy confidence in me that everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be away. Looked at my wife, and I said, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. 
clothed me. Brought a sense of belonging and put a sense of, of my spirit that, man, God's going to do something in my life. In Luke chapter 15, 7, it says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. There's a celebration when someone comes home to church. There's a party that God throws for us. All heaven's rejoicing to the one that repents. But this has to be sincere. Because we got too many players out there, come on church, who hit the altar just because they got busted. Come on. Man, we hit the altar because you don't want to get thrown out of the house. Hallelujah. Come on, we use the altar for our advantage at times to show, look, I'm repenting. Show, look, you know, sometimes we're repenting, amen, and we look back and see if our spouses are looking at us. See? I'm right here. To show others, you know what? Look, 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 look. Duty's going to the altar. Look, look, look. See? But in reality, we don't really mean it. And so we use the advantage, we use the altar to the advantage sometimes. And the place of the altar is to be wet with tears and true repentance. This is the place that we come. And when you do that in, 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 a, in that matter, you do it with that sincerity in your heart, God will forgive you. Because God can identify the player. You can't fool God. <laughs> you can fool pastor. You can fool somebody, but you can't fool God because he looks right to you what? Right to your heart. It doesn't matter the appearance. It doesn't matter if you got all the hallelujahs in line, the smile. Praise the Lord! <laughs> he sees right through that hallelujah. He sees right through that smile. But we must humble ourselves. Come on, it takes humility, church, to say, I, I sin. <laughs> It takes humility to say, Lord, I, I, I repent. It takes humility to tell somebody, man, I, I fell short. I, I fell into sin. It, it takes humility. we got to humble ourselves. We can't do the blame game. We can't point the fingers. At, but we must confess to God and say, Lord, I repent. And when you do that, you receive forgiveness. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them of their sins and heal their land. Come on, church. When we humble ourselves and here, you got to understand he's talking to my people. He's talking to the church, not the sinner here. There's the repentance that need to be done in the house of God. If we want revival, if we want victory, church, it starts with repentance. We must humble ourselves and turn from our ways. We can't just think it's okay when you know. If you got to think about it, it's not okay. Is the shirt too? Is 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 my skirt too short? It's not okay then. If you got to ask, it's not right. Come on. If you got to ask about it, it's not okay. You got to know I'm okay. You got to know that you're, you're okay. You got to know how you're being dressed. You got to know these things, church. If you're questioning it, it's not okay. Can I drink? Can I not? It's not okay. 
Come on, you got to think about it. You got to balance this, try to fire. We'll look like clowns. <laughs> Today is good. We juggle these things in our minds and our hearts. And, and you guys know. Come on. Deep down, you, 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 you read your word, you know. Oh, you know, man. The Holy Spirit, if he convicts you, oh, you know. You, you know. Oh, I can't do that. You know that when you're watching certain movies, you need to turn it off and walk away. You know that. Come on. Well, you know, they only cuss a few times. You know, I, I, I don't cuss. Oh, no. It's going to get in your spirit. And guess what? When you get mad, that word's coming out because it's in your spirit. Come on. Whatever's inside of you is going to come out of you. <laughs> Come on, we 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 gotta watch what we what we bring into our minds, what we feed our minds, what we what we what we entertain, because eventually it's gonna come out of you, church. Hello. For some of us we need to repent from that. God forgive me. There's times when we're we're watching the movie and man, we felt like, why did we watch that? You know, and I I you know we're we're pretty strict on our boundaries and stuff, but there's times where we just Something will flow, and it's, ah, it's, it's, it seems all right. And after a while, we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's not beneficial for us. It's not going to benefit your spirit. you got to do things that benefit your spirit. Come on, somebody. Not only do we see the two different attitudes of their sin towards the, in the lives of Saul and David, but we see two different attitudes towards the prophet. Two different attitudes towards the spiritual authority that God placed over their lives. See, we're on a day where people want to live with no accountability. Come on, church. That's why people go to big churches to get lost. No accountability. They don't get involved. They want to hear the word, but they want to live the way they want to live. In reality, church, come on. And there's nothing wrong with big churches. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with... uh, these kind of churches, amen. But but there's some things that people don't want to live with accountability. But if we are to have victory in 2020, amen, uh, we have to have a heart that accepts authority, accepts accountability, or has accountability, church. See, people are funny. They'll be your best friend. They will walk with you. They will say, I got your back. Once you get on them for doing something wrong, oh, it's a different story. Come on. We'll come, we can come, we can say, we love the church, amen. We love our leaders, amen. I love sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. We love our pastors. But until you get on them for doing something wrong, come on. It's a different story. Get the kids, it's time to leave. We're finding a new church now. We leave the kids. You can have the kids, we're leaving. But it's true. See, here's the attitude that these guys had towards their spiritual authority. David accepted the correction that was brought to him. Without pointing the finger, without blaming the prophet, he simply said, you know what, you're right. I needed that. Thank you. That's what David said. You know what, I'm, you're right. I'm not going to blame. I, I, I hurt God. I, I broke his heart. You're right. Thank you, brother. Thank you, pastor. Thank you for directing me. Thank you for guiding me. 
See, we're in a day, amen, that we need to bring our lives under spiritual authority. See, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul. They are accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. In other words, don't be a burden, or that will be no advantage to you. If you want to be a people to fulfill the will of God in our lives, to have a ministry that's going to last, amen, to, to, to just stay saved, we have to have a heart of obedience, and we have to have a heart that comes under spiritual authority. You have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I repent. I was wrong. I've sinned. And the Lord will forgive you, church. He'll give you life, and he'll give you victory. Let me tell you, when, the, when, that, when that prodigal son came home, and when he didn't get the speech, and when, the, when, when he didn't give him some guidelines, and when, when, the, when dad didn't start showing, well, you know, you know, get away from me. Let me think about this. No, right at the moment when, when he received all that, he, he gave him life. He says, this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He, he restored dignity upon how he felt. Dignity of what the, what the world all beat up. He felt unworthy. If you read the story, really, he says, you know what? I just, I just want to come home and, and I'll be a servant. I'll just live with the servant. I'll live outside of the house. I don't want to come in the house, Dad. I just, I just want to be under you again. And his dad says, no, 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 no. You're my son. You're in the house. Bring a robe. Bring a ring. Bring some sandals. Get the barbecue going because my son is alive. There's a celebration, church. Let me tell you. I can tell you that son probably felt, wow, this is awesome. You know, it probably broke down and says, thank you, Dad. And, I, and then all the friends are coming in, and no one's pointing the finger. No one's saying that. Everybody's celebrating. Hey, hey, Chewie's back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. This is great. Woo, man. Praise God. He, they weren't questioning him. Well, there was one brother that was. The other brother, you remember, he got mad. He's been serving the Lord faithfully, and he's serving God. Sometimes we feel like that sometimes. Come on, like the other brother. Man, I've been faithful. I do everything. You never threw me a party. He got all mad. got hurt. And then notice, if you really read the story, he says, this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. This son of yours comes home after spending all his money while living, and you throw him a party. But he brought correction to him. He said, son, everything that I have belongs to you. And so you got to understand today that we got to celebrate over the, the one that comes home. Come on, we got to be happy when the sinner repents, church. Or when someone's getting right, church. That has to be the moment. That has to be the focus at that time and moment because that's the Father's focus. Let's celebrate. Come on, somebody. Let's celebrate. Victory, church. It gives you life, and it gives you victory. Victory always comes with a celebration. Victory, there's always a dance. Come on, when you have victory, you're like, woo. 
Come on, hallelujah. There's, there's a dance in you, amen. There's a little, woo, yeah. There's a little bounce, amen. When you have victory, you you know, when people are, are going through stuff, they don't dance. But there's something about victory. When you get victory, there, you, there's a dance. There's, there's something happening, and then you got your shout back. Yeah! <laughs> there's a shout, amen. Now, you know what? We got to shout. Come on, God did not save us to keep our mouths shut. Come on, we are to be lions, amen. We are to be roaring in the kingdom of God, amen. Our roar has to be louder than his roar. Roar. <laughs> I, need, I need water, hallelujah. Roar. <laughs> You're going to take my roar away, hallelujah. <laughs> Got to have our shot back. When we have victory, it feels so good, church. Let me tell you. This banner is timely. This banner is what God wants you to have. This banner is that we have lived so much oppression, depression as Christians uh, that you are supposed to have victory, church. Uh, and God wants to give you victory because the battle belongs to him. Uh, and as you fight alongside with him, church, uh, it will give you the victory. Uh, it will give you the shout. Uh, it will give you the dance that you need. Uh, and God's people, it's time to rise up and stand up, amen, and get your shout back, amen. Stop living in oppression, uh, depression, amen. Start living in the victory of God, amen. And start giving the shout that he deserves. Amen. Feel good about yourself. Yeah, you're going through trials. Yeah, you're going through storms. But you can shout, church, and have victory in God. Boom. Put on some Ron Colloy. I'll show you how to dance. Hallelujah. Let's get our victory back, church. Just live victorious, because we are victorious. If Christ lives in you, you are victorious. But you got to believe it. It starts in your mind. The battles are won or lost in your mind. Put it right here. It'll come right here. It'll come right here. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Think it. Believe it. Speak it. Amen. And we'll stand in victory. So I close today, 2 Samuel 12, 13. It says, David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And you will not die for your sin. Amen. Let's all stand together.